0: Today on am to dm we're talking about Transgender Day of Remembrance. Plus, we'll get you caught up on the impeachment hearings. Then I'm sitting down with actor Robin Givens. We'll see you on the timeline. Good morning, Twitter. I'm Alex Berg, he's Zach Stafford, and
1: you are watching am to dm And here's a tweet from Alyssa. Gonna tell my kids, this was JFK and Jacqueline Kennedy. Here's a
0: tweet from Nick. I'm going to tell my kids this was Lil Nas X.
1: <laughs> and here's a treat from your leading lady. I'm going to tell my kids this is Mount Rushmore, and girl, ain't that the truth It today? should
0: be Mount Rushmore. <laughs> it should be.
1: I'm submitting a bill today to make that the actual Mount Rushmore, so this history continues to be real for all of us here in yeah. America. Yeah,
0: so where did this whole thing come from?
1: Girl, uh, we did some digging this morning. It looks like it popped up November 12th-ish. Someone tweeted randomly with the dad and family guy uh, saying, I'm going to tell my kids this is pink and it's him and drag. And then from from there you just see like more and more and more happening and what's happening right now on the internet is that people are really obsessed with this idea of reimagining history um, through these false images of people. So you know making something that looks similar like the Destiny's Child album cover and saying that it's something else like Mount Rushmore which also has three heads, mostly white men that should maybe not be up there, complicated, unpopular opinion. Um, popular, and- <laughs>
0: popular opinion actually. And saying
1: we're going to tell these histories true and it's just so amazing to hear. It's mostly I think Gen Z and millennials being like you know what our future is so complicated and may not Happen because the world's ending, so we're going to reimagine what that could be.
0: It's also just really funny. I mean, I love that Lil Nas X really is so Lil.
1: He's Lil, Lil Frog.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, so like I love it, and I think it's really creating a lot of uh, you know creativity on the internet because there's like tons of these. If you just search, I'm going to tell my kids on Twitter. It just constantly things are things and things are coming.
0: I think also it just uh, you know taps into how fun it can be to like mess Mm. with your kids Mm -hmm. when they're young, and then (laughs) like, oops, I'm sorry. You know, can you imagine a kid like growing up thinking that one of these historical figures is some like random celebrity and hat. then like actually getting to high school yeah. and being like, what?
1: I mean, it would be funny with the Mount Rushmore one because it's actually four heads and that's three. That's just so three. they just consolidate it. So they're like, not only are you wrong on like the gender, race, and time period, but there's also four people on that, that little monument. So, yeah. sorry girls. Well, let's take it to the timeline. What's your favorite meme rewriting history? Tweet us using the hashtag am2dm. All right, here's a tweet from Out Magazine. Today, 1120 marks t better known as Transgender Day of Remembrance. For those years, uh, Out 100, Raquel, Ra- Raquel Willis introduces the Trans Obituaries Project, a series honoring the sisters we've lost in 2019.
0: Here's another tweet from Out Magazine. Our final Out 100 cover in honor of t is dedicated to Lailene kubelet Polanco, an Afro-Latina trans woman who died while being held in solitary confinement at Rikers Island. Her family told us her story.
1: Joining us now to discuss Trans Day of Remembrance is executive editor of Out Magazine, Raquel Willis. Good morning.
2: Hi, good morning. How are both of you? We're doing well. Glad to see you.
1: Good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, So, today is Trans Day of Remembrance. Remind us what this day's intent is.
2: Yes. So Transgender Day of Remembrance was founded over 20 years ago by Gwendolyn Ann Smith. And it was in honor of Rita Hester, who was a black trans woman who was murdered um, in a very brutal way. And so since then, it has really become an international observance. And as the epidemic of violence has continued to increase over more recent years, um, it's just been an important day for our community to elevate
0: Now you have released the Trans Obituaries Project. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about it and and why it was important to uh, memorialize these folks?
2: Absolutely. So what I kind of write in um, my quick letter about it, um, kind of launching it, is just that, you know, each year we honor amazing influential LGBTQ plus leaders. And for me and many in the trans community, there are people who are no more important or no more influential than the trans women of color we lose each year. And so it was important for us to kind of honor them in a beautiful way. And so exploring Leiline Cubilete Polanco's um, journey was important. Um, doing an obituary for each woman was important just to shine light on them. And then of course, moving from awareness into action and and speaking to advocates on how we can kind of move beyond this epidemic of violence.
1: And how do you hope this project changes the narrative that we currently have around trans bodies and death?
2: Well, I hope that we move from just seeing us as tragedy and, and move into more of a transformative phase. It's not enough for people to just post and tweet about these deaths and and throw out their thoughts and prayers. We have to actually be moving in action. And so that means donating and supporting the leadership of projects by Black and Brown trans women. And it also means that our community has to do a major restructuring and prioritization of this this issue. Because if we are not alive, what does your marriage mean? What does it mean to have access to restrooms and all these different things if people are not here to really live in the right that they always deserve?
0: Yeah. I mean, there are folks in the community who have been uh, talking and mm-hmm. advocating, uh, you know, on behalf of uh, trans folks and against the, the violence um, for years and years and years. Um, what do you think it'll mm-hmm. take to get the world to uh, take this issue more seriously?
2: Well, I think that we have to really come up with what I include in the 13-step kind of uh, action plan for us to think about is is this community curriculum. And so that means understanding how we are all impacted by these restrictive notions of gender. And so it's not just trans people, you know, it's just people who are um, really boxed in 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 terms of their potential. And so I think once we get an understanding of that and understand that there's a humanity behind all of these instances of violence, then we'll be on our way to, to
1: really solving it. So Raquel, what can our viewers do today to begin to stop this violence that is impacting the transgender community?
2: Absolutely. I think it really is important for people to just find the, the community initiatives and organizations that are led by Black and Brown trans women and supporting them, whether it's, I'm sorry, I'm in an airport, so bear with me. It's all good. I was just actually with a lot of um, trans community leaders over the last two days. So yeah, I'm in the Seattle airport right now.
3: If you have more than two items for Using, it's awesome. <laughs> well, the perils of
2: live internet television it really it is, is right. It really I'm is. I'm like, can this be a short <laughs> message? Exactly. You know, so sorry, right? no, she's gonna give us everything. Um, but I will I'll just go on and say that um I think it's about supporting those initiatives and organizations led by black and brown trans women. But I, I also think that it's it's not just that, right? It's understanding that we have all of the solutions that we need to solve this issue, but we have to be supported. And so if you have an organization out there that is claiming to fight for us and we are not in the staff and we are not in in the running for the leadership and in the leadership, that is a problem, right? If, If there isn't a major... Uh, reallocation of resources to these initiatives to keep us alive, then that is a problem. And so I don't want to hear any more nonprofit directors talking about the murders of Black and brown trans women, and they aren't actually putting their money and their actions towards solving this epidemic.
0: Well, Raquel, we are so grateful for all of the work that you're doing and for taking the time to join us this morning. So thank you so
1: much.
2: Absolutely. And thank you both for everything you do day in and day out. Of much, love. So much love.
3: You much love to Safe you. travels,
1: Raquel.
2: Thank you. Bye.
0: Well, today marks the fourth day of public impeachment hearings, so we want to catch up on everything that happened yesterday. Here are a couple of standout moments. First, a tweet from BuzzFeed News. Lieutenant Colonel Vindman told his father, do not worry about threats against him for speaking out at the impeachment hearings.
1: And BuzzFeed News's Miriam Elder tweeted, Zelensky knew the stakes of talking to Trump before they even got on the phone.
0: Miriam joins us now to break it all down. Good morning. Hi, guys. Okay, so talk us through the individuals who testified and the big moments from the hearing.
4: So, there was a lot going on yesterday. There were four people in total. In the morning, there was Alex Windman, who uh, was the Ukraine chief on the National Security Council. He testified alongside Jennifer Williams, who was seconded from the State Department to the vice president's office to kind of work on Europe, uh, including Ukraine. And then in the afternoon, there was Kurt Volker, who was a special envoy to Ukraine, and Tim Morrison, uh, the very tall uh, NSC director, for Russia. And um, a lot came out. It was just hours upon hours of, uh, of testimony, but I'll try and recall the, the big moments. So the first was that Volker um, kind of recasted his testimony and said he did recall Gordon Sondland, who is testifying um, at this very moment, bringing up uh, investigations in a meeting uh, with Ukrainians. And that can feed into the quid pro quo narrative. Um, and then there was Tim Morrison, who um, kind of debunked some of the claims that that um, putting the transcript of the infamous July 25th call into a private server was nefarious. He said he was told it was a mistake, but at the same time he also spoke about his own concerns um, about the call. And then the final big thing was, you know, what you guys alluded to uh, in the beginning, this very powerful moment when Alex Binman, uh directly addressed his father and told him that he would be okay for telling the truth.
1: Mm, so what did these hearings confirm about Trump's phone call and the aid being held to Ukraine?
4: I would say the biggest thing with that was Tim Morrison, who helped uh, prepare Trump for the call, confirmed that he never brought up the CrowdStrike conspiracy theory. He never brought up the idea of investigations um, and that Trump was really you know, freelancing on his own there and was not discussing um, official U.S. policy. That was a really important moment. And then just broadly, basically all the witnesses spoke about their concern about the uh, the held up aid. So uh, how what
0: did these hearings reveal about how much information uh, these individuals had about the connection between Burisma and Biden?
4: So the most interesting moment in response to in response to that particularly was Kurt Volker, who was the special envoy uh, to Ukraine. and he was sitting there trying to say that you know when I would hear talk about Burisma, I didn't think that it was about the Bidens, and he was sort of trying to justify, Uh, what he was doing, which was trying to get uh, the Ukrainian president to make a public statement, uh, which he understood uh, Trump and Giuliani wanted, that they would investigate this company. But the fact is that there is no way to think of this company, Burisma, without thinking of the Bidens. It's not like Sony or GE. It's not like a household name. There's one reason that people know it, and it's because of the Bidens.
0: Now, here's a tweet from you. Seemed to me like Vinman was caught off guard, that Castor was going to go deep into dual loyalty accusations. He started by laughing off discussion of the defense minister Offer. Imagine it is still shocking to be subject to those sorts of attacks. Um, now, my personal anti-Semitism radar went off uh, when I saw this. So how much of a pivot was this from Republicans uh, to go after a veteran now?
4: I mean, that was an incre- incredibly... Um just difficult moment. You have to remember that Alex Vindman came to the United States when he was three years old. Uh, He was, you know, he's a Ukrainian Jew and his family, knowing the background, my own family's background is similar, knowing what his family must have gone through in Soviet times to be accused of dual loyalty in the Soviet Union and flee to the United States to try and escape that and then be confronted with it in public impeachment hearings is just next level. And uh, previously when these kinds of um, accusations were floating around in like the Fox News media space, uh, Republicans quickly shut it down. The difference was yesterday, it was directly a part of of their questioning approach. Okay.
1: Well, today, Sondland is testifying in front of Congress, and he has just said that this was a quid pro quo, which has been very shocking. So tell us about the impact of that statement, and will it be seen as true since he has been switching his testimony a few times?
4: So today's testimony is already crazy. I can't wait to uh, (laughs) get back to it. He is just spilling all the tea. He is throwing everybody under the bus, from the president to Rudy Giuliani, just name after name after name. As for his credibility... um, it's it's weird because the person that we've seen through other testimony is a guy, like kind of a fast-talking Trumpian type of guy who likes to curse and he's appearing very professional right now. I would say the thing to really look for is, you know, what are the receipts that he's going to bring? He says that he has other text messages and emails and if he's allowed to access those, um, then we can really rely on that to spell out the kind of chain of events rather than just relying on, you know, his him looking back now and trying to present a much nicer picture for himself.
1: All right, well, Miriam, we'll let you get back to the tea party because we heard it's continuing to boil over there, (laughs) but thank you so much for joining us today. Coming
0: up, I sit down with actor Robin Gibbons to talk about ambitions, and up next, Zach is reading Fire Chief with Bonnie, and we're also talking about BTS on the cover of Paper Magazine. (laughs) So that'll be in just a
3: few. (laughs)
1: Welcome back. I'm joined by comedian and actor Ma Shabrani, who you may have seen on Superior Donuts and has a new podcast out, which I am losing the name of right now. I'm so sorry. Um, that explores interesting concepts called Back to School with Ma Shabrani. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good, you know, just losing my lines like always.
5: <laughs> hey man, who is not these days? Right, you know, you it know? shows that
1: we're human here on the am to dm
5: This is real. <laughs> it is it's real. not rehearsed, people.
1: It's not, just like those uh, impeachment hearings right now that are yes. also uh, <laughs> kind of competing So, we're gonna do fire tweets Uh uh, where I'm gonna hit a button, read a tweet, and then you're gonna do the same. Great. Sound cool? Let's
5: go, let's do it. All right.
1: So, first up, Adam Gaylord, you tweeted. Me, pre-kids, I'm never gonna lie to my kids, ever. Me, with kids, I just got off the phone with Santa, the uh, firefighter dog from Paw Patrol and the Green Power Ranger, and they all agree, if you don't put your shoes on, they're gonna have to put down
5: another unicorn. Ooh. I do not have kids. Is this something that happens? Oh, yes, it happens. And here's the problem, is uh, we live in a modern era mm-hmm. where I, I've been reading, since I had kids, mine are eight and 11 now. Okay you start reading books about raising kids. Mm. And so I think you almost have to get a PhD in psychology to raise kids. (laughs) And a lot of the stuff that I read, a lot of times experts say, be honest with your kids. They can handle it, which is great until you're watching a TV show like Mm Blackish with your eight-year-old daughter and 11-year-old son. And there's a scene where the teenage boy is, can we say masturbation? Yes, you can say masturbation. The (laughs) 11-year-old son was masturbating. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the dad walked into the room on the second episode of Blackish, and he walks in, and the son's doing the thing, and he goes, "Whoa!" and he walks out. And then my eight-year-old daughter goes, "What just happened?" <laughs> At, so you had to, and the, and the the the, the voices, the, you know, the the parenting voices in my head are going, "Lie to her," but then the other, the modern day parenting is saying, "Be honest. She can handle it." Yeah. So, so you not, lied. Well, I, <laughs> well, I kind of stretched out. I go, well, you know, his. I, this is what I said. I said, you know, his. Mm-hmm. He, he, the father walked in, and and the son, his underwear was off, so the dad got upset and he left. And then she goes, well, it's his room, so he's right. I go, yes. So I thought I was done until the very next scene. The father walks into the wife's room and goes. I just caught our son playing with himself. And then my daughter goes, what does that mean? Oh, my God. And I'm like, come on. I'm stressed out by this. And then at that point, I kind of told her, I said, you know, sometimes when teenagers, they like to play with their pee-pee just a little bit. I know oh, it was horrible. I was like, am I supposed to be saying this? And then she goes, did you do it? And I go, ah. Wow. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, this honest crap is just more so Moral of the story, lie to your kids. Moral of the story is uh, tell them to ask your mom. Great, there
1: That's we go. Happened. All right, there we go. Well, here's your tweet, you ready? Yes, yes. <laughs> so you can
5: hit the button. And oh keep... yeah, here we go, and I'm reading from here, yep. right? Here we go, and survey says, ow. <laughs> I, bought my soap. I bought myself a box of Twinkies because I love myself, but then I ate half the box in one sitting and now I hate myself. Life is hard. Wow. Binge eating. Sometimes you need to get really hungry. You're a big, but you're a big junk food guy, right? Well, I, I have a sweet tooth. And let me tell you a story because I came to America uh, in the late 70s uh-huh. from Iran. And I used to go shopping with my mom. We'd go grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. And back then, again, the, there was no healthy parenting. We would go there and my mom would just let me get my own cart and throw all my junk in there. <laughs> <laughs> so I I had, I love, Twinkies was my welcome into America. I used to, oh my God, when you would bite that top and then lick that cream, I was like, oh, America, yes. Oh, heart disease. That's so uh, It was, oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was so great. So we'll get you some Twinkies after this. Uh, no, now I've, <laughs> don't, don't, I'm the <laughs> one who wrote it. the tweet That was me.
1: <laughs> I, I know. don't need it. I know, but no, I mean, like you need an actual Twinkie to eat after this.
5: No, what I'm saying is, I'm jokingly saying I'm the guy who wrote the tweet because um. nowadays, now at this age, mm-hmm. when I do, I, listen, I had an almond croissant this morning. I Sheik. already feel guilty. Chic. It's French croissant. It's French but I for feel... breakfast. French people are skinny, so don't worry about it. French people are skinny. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting this thing. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> I'm, I'm, all
1: right. No, the next week, King Zoe, you treat it. <laughs> Te- teachers are so against plagiarizing, yet you can find their assignments on- and tests online. <laughs> facts. I think that's all we can say about that one.
5: Facts that, are facts. It sounds like Donald Trump wrote that one. Wow. It does feel like he's like, Just well, like che- you know, ding, ding. cheating is okay. What? Why? If cheating's bad, why are teachers doing it? Oh my god, that's something he would say, right? Com- completely, completely. Right. Remember that? Remember he did Donald Trump Jr. saying that because they really hate education. Have you seen this? Oh my god, they go after colleges. The, they go, you know, the, the brainwashing and college campuses. If teachers, if if cheating is bad, why are teachers putting the test online? Trump logic. Trump logic. All right, well,
1: here's our final tweet. It's the
5: tweet of the day. We're going to hit it together and you're going to read. From there. One, two, oh. Hit it together. Another hashtag iPhone update. I was happy with the old version. Oh, this is me. It's like being married to someone who keeps getting facelifts. I can't keep up, <laughs> dude. I am so upset. If if I know the people from Apple are watching this, mm-hmm. stop it. <laughs> I got good. I was great. It was working so great, and then you call it an update, but it's just a glitch. It's just more glitches. <laughs> I'm filled with glitches. Uh, just like plastic surgery. It's just like plastic. It is like I mean, like you know, it's like my iPhone was like this and natural, and I loved it, and now it's just getting more and more. And I'm like, I don't recognize you anymore. Oh
1: my. Gosh. Well, you know, speaking of iPhones, we got to talk about your podcast. Yes. You know, your podcast just came out and it is called Back to School with Master Bonnie, and you bring on experts to discuss a range of interesting topics. Yes. What made you want to do this show?
5: So I was um, I, having kids again kids ask you questions that you don't have the answers to mm-hmm. so like you end up, yeah like masturbation mm-hmm. and you go to your well that one I did have the well no not didn't but <laughs> you go end up going to your uh, iPhone a lot to go google it so mm-hmm. I'm googling stuff to answer them and then finally I said you know what screw it let me bring in experts and we will start we start every episode with a question from my kids and then we go into it and we've had people from you know professional basketball player Ennis Kenter to uh, uh, Firuz Naderi, who helped land the rover on Mars, oh, wow. to uh, you know uh, Congress people. We had actually we had Congresswoman Katie Hill on our oh before yes. all this stuff happened. Yeah, so it's it's been it's been a lot of uh, fun, interesting guests, and you realize how much interesting people there are out there. Mm-hmm. And thank God they can answer the questions and I don't have to be you just the sit one. Back. I just sit back. Well
1: tell me this, you know, you have to be gaining a ton of new knowledge. So yeah. how is it impacting your stand-up? Because it must be getting
5: a little broader, at least with your knowledge base. Well, you know, it's uh, I I try. I mean I you you learn something. Here's an interesting thing I learned. Okay. For example, we had on, because we bring we bring on a lot of professors and a lot of authors. We had on a professor of um it was uh, uh, anthropology he was an anthropology professor and we were talking about the development of the brain and all yeah. that other stuff and one of the things he was telling us was that the male brain uh takes is is takes more risks does stupider stuff okay. whereas the female brain is a little more careful about stuff so the the, the experiment he told us about they said in California, they did an experiment to see who gets bitten by snakes more when they go out in the wilderness. And who would you think gets bitten more by snakes more? Uh, men? Men, now the question is, where do the men get bitten and where do the women get bitten? Oh my God, I'm gonna say toes and leg. Toes and leg, okay. So the women get bitten on the legs, uh-huh. the men get bitten on the hand because they're so stupid, they're trying to grab the snake. Wow, men are dumb, had no idea. Well, I just—it's just it's, it's stupid stuff. But not listen. This is this isn't all men and women. But but it's it's an experiment that they uh-huh. did, and then they said to go further. The men were that were getting bitten on the arms. Uh, a lot of the times, they had friends around them, so they were trying to show off. Oh
1: my God! How Mascul- stupid are masculinity is going to kill all of masculinity us? Masculinity is going to kill all of us. Oh yeah. my God! So before we let you go, you have a new tour coming up, Peaceful Warrior, where you will be talking. You will be talking about today's politics in a peaceful way. Tell me about that.
5: Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's a good selling. I mean, you sold it well. No, um, Peaceful Warrior Tour is a tour I've been doing. It keeps going. I've, I've taken it to Australia. I took it to Europe. I'm about to take it to the Middle East. Amazing. And I've done it all over the country. And the reason I call it Peaceful Warrior Tour is because in this day and age of people being so divided, mm-hmm. you know, my point of view, I'm an Iranian-American immigrant. So where do you think I stand on this stuff? Obviously, I'm going to be on the side of immigrants. Yep. And so... I was doing some jokes about Trump and a few times there was audience members who would get upset and yell back. And early on, I started yelling back to them and then I would end up in a debate and one time the audience was like, what happened to the show? And I was like, what happened, what did? I got caught into it. So Mm -hmm. after that I said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna, when this happens, I'm just gonna try and really Namaste my way out of it, just relax. And as a matter of fact, I was at the Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank just like a month ago. And this lady started losing her mind when I was doing the Trump joke. And now I remind people, I go, guys, doesn't matter if we're Republican, Democrat, the point of America is we should be able to make fun of our leaders. Right, I couldn't Freedom make of fun. Speech. Of, yeah, I couldn't make fun of the president of Iran in Iran. If I did, you'd come up to me after the show, hey, that was a good show. When's your next show? I'd be like, there are no more shows. It's over. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. So I'm trying to deal with it in a peaceful way okay. and thus peaceful warrior.
1: I can't wait to see this. This sounds like a really productive way for America to laugh and learn how to be not so divisive.
5: You are right. I hope.
1: I hope. Well, thank you for being here. It's been lovely playing a little game with you. This is great. Yeah, thank you. We try. Exactly. We try. Well, tickets to Maz's Peaceful Warrior tour are available now. Be sure to check out his podcast, Back to School with Maz Shabani. available on Apple podcast and Spotify. Up next, more to deal.
0: Here's a tweet from Paper Magazine. Break the internet, BTS.
1: Here's a tweet from Gabe D14. Paper Magazine explained that their photo shoot is Lisa Frank themed because Lisa Frank and BTS share the same message with, which is youth empowerment and freedom of expression.
0: Here's a tweet from Paper Magazine quoting Steve Aoki. There hasn't been a more prolific phenomenon since the Beatles. Joining us now to talk about BTS breaking the internet is Erica Russell, who wrote the cover story for Paper Magazine. Good morning. Good
3: morning.
0: Okay, so how did Paper Magazine choose to pair BTS with Lisa Frank's Mm -hmm. issue?
3: Yeah, well, you know, I think Lisa Frank, much like BTS, is one of those generation-defining powerhouses, you know, um, particularly when she came to popularity in the 90s, she really inspired young people, much like myself back in the day, to express themselves through her art um, and to express themselves freely and unapologetically. Um, and that's something that is really a cornerstone of BTS's message. Um, you know, through their music and their philanthropic work, um, their messaging, uh, the key is really to love yourself and to be who you are and to express that no apologies so it's kind of this perfect synthesis of these two generation defining icons
1: Mm. so what was it like interviewing these guys for this cover because i bet i bet that was amazing
3: (laughs) yeah i mean it's just a dream i mean the sensation around them um has really sort of uh, stood them up to these almost like mythic levels but at, at the same time like they're just normal guys and they're very gracious and open. And I think one of the most surprising things about the interview is just how willing to be open they were considering how ridiculously famous they are.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned their openness and, uh, you talked to them about uh, navigating pressure, getting along with each other and advice they would have given their younger selves. Um, was there anything they said that really stuck out to you?
3: Yes. Um, you know, Uh, Member Jungkook said that if he could talk to his younger self, that he would tell himself not to be too hard on himself and to um, not to lose the people that are beside him at the moment um, and to sort of not take mistakes to heart. And I thought that was really poignant and um, in a way brave of him to say, like as someone who is sort of on this incredibly famous platform um because i think it's an important lesson that we can all learn from
1: so earlier today the grammys announced the nominees for this year and unfortunately bts was not nominated what do you think of that and why do you think it's been so hard for them to fully cross over as big pop stars and not just k-pop stars
3: yeah you know it is a huge disappointment um i've been sort of taking the temperature of fans stay on twitter and sort of following along the conversation. And it, it is sad that they didn't score a nomination. Um, I personally was hoping and thought this would be the year. Um, but in a way, it, it also doesn't matter. I mean, their music speaks for itself. Um, their fans, I think, are just gonna brush this off. It doesn't say anything about the quality of their music or the quality of their art. Um, they are who they are. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. They're going to keep, um, blowing up no matter what. Um, it would be really nice, however, to get that Grammy nom eventually. (laughs) Um, like I said, I thought this would really be the year for them. Um, I think it'll happen. Um, I just think that it's still hard for East Asian artists to really cross over in the United States and in the West, you know, there's a lot of, Racism and xenophobia, and I think that that is still sort of a struggle that um, artists, international artists, um, non-English speaking artists are still facing today for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, uh, before this segment, I tweeted out that we were going to be talking about this and just got the most overwhelming, amazing response from fans with many questions for you. So we want to get to one of them. Here's the tweet from Becky Fierce. Can you ask Erica if she was ARMY before she did the interview article? Also, how long did she get to talk with the guys for the interview? Please let her know that she did an amazing job.
3: Sure. Thank you. Um, Hi, Becky. Um, So was I ARMY before? It's a great question. Um, I noticed some fans were sort of digging up older tweets of mine um, talking about BTS, you know, back in like 2017, 2018. um, Which is funny, and I think a testament to the power of the fans on social media and how engaged they are. Um, Was I ARMY before? I would say it was like ARMY light before. I was definitely um, semi-indoctrined. I think after doing this piece and just immersing myself um, for as long as I did in the research and talking to the guys. um, Yes, I'm happy to claim the mantle of ARMY at this
1: point.
3: (laughs)
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Erica. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Well, up next, Alex is sitting down with actor Robin Givens. Then I talk to actor Alan Cumming.
0: Cher Edwards, you tweeted, y'all better get with ambitions. That show is lit. Ms. Robin Gibbons is fierce. <laughs> Joining me today is actor Robin Gibbons to talk about her starring role in Ambitions and what's to come on the show. And I gotta say, you are fierce, serving a look today for I, us. don't you like lo- this
6: dress. I can see you wearing. Can I stand up? Yes, go? please. I love this I mean, I dress. I love it too. Yeah, you know, like you get yeah. these clothes, but we, like we both have the like, like shoulder pad action going it. on. I love it. Little you know, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, Hi. so we have to talk about uh, your character, Stephanie yes. Lancaster. She is glam. She is powerful. She's a Lawyer, She's a fierce. All of the things. She's the mayor's wife. She's the mayor's wife. Yes. And yes. We, we actually have a clip to take a look at. Okay.
6: Your little friend, Amara, she may have you shook, but she doesn't scare me. Make no mistake. Amara doesn't scare me. No one does.
7: Now you're sounding like a Carlisle again. <laughs>
6: Okay. I love her so much. I just love her. I mean, she's so, like, back in the day, Alexis Carrington. Yes. Do you know what yes, I mean? absolutely. So our creator, Jamie Giddens, was in love with soap operas. Dallas, Dynasty, all of that. I mean, you think Diane Carroll. So somebody said, oh, you're such a bitch on that show. <laughs> and then, now I've learned to say... Not a bitch. I'm that bitch. Oh, I'm so proud of myself that. for her feeling that way. I mean, she's very empowered in many respects. So yeah. she's smart. She like she can hang with the guys, and she looks good in a dress.
0: You guys, well, you've said that you are nothing like her no. in real life. Has any have any pieces of her character uh, moved into your personality? At all? No,
6: <laughs> but I'm hoping it happens. Like. I can't twerk. I don't think Stephanie can twerk. (laughs) Um, She is just so different. You know, we have a completely different energy. I'm kind of like this, you know, and I have to do yoga to kind of settle my spirit. And Stephanie's just cool by nature, you know. Um, So I'm hoping, I think Stephanie, you know,
0: I'd like a little sprinkle of her in my life. Okay. Yes. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, now, of course, we got to see one of her amazing one-liners. She has yes. so many amazing one-liners. What's your reaction when you get to read them for oh, the first time? Are you like shook when you first see no, them? No,
6: I love it. Like I'm just so grateful. I mean, there was a line I was watching. I was watching the show, and she says something. Somebody says they can't afford like daycare, and she says, "Oh, well, I understand that happens. Not to me, of course. Can
0: but you that you give happens.
7: that
6: to me in character? Would you say that?" <laughs> but I mean, she's like the whole crew is cracking up when Stephanie like is doing her lines. I'm laughing. I feel so honored to get to be so delicious and devilish. I love it.
0: Well, speaking of delicious, I mean, there are some really delicious twists and turns in the plot. Um, There's a little spoiler alert here, which is that her husband has been caught in an affair. Can you give us a a little sneak peek into how your character deals with it?
6: I think Bella, who he's been having an affair Mm -hmm, with, mm -hmm. I think the audience now knows, must be out of her mind. I mean, Mm. because... To mess with anybody's man, okay, is one thing. To mess with Stephanie Lancaster's man, she must be out of her mind. You should see what Stephanie does when she finds out. (laughs) I know (laughs) the the word unraveled. Oh my God! Is that okay? Well, she just she's gonna kill her. I mean, she's just gonna do you know maybe not dead, but like slowly and painfully and make her regret ever sleeping with her husband. It's fun,
0: yeah. Well, well, everybody better watch out for that. And you're also starring in the CW's Riverdale. Um, The the new season is currently underway. Um, So much has happened already, but what do we have to look forward to with your character this season? Oh,
6: wow. Well, you know, my daughter, Josie... you know, has gone on to Katie Keene. So I think I get to visit her, um, Mm. which is really, really nice. And we get to kind of see what happens there. So that's kind of nice for me. Mm.
0: Well, of course, the season opened up uh, with a really moving uh, tribute to uh, Luke Perry. Um, What have you and the cast done to, have you done anything to kind of keep his memory alive on set? Oh, wow.
6: I think that uh, it was pretty interesting that Roberto chose, our creator of, of that show, chose to open the season that way uh, i think it was really difficult Mm, for everyone mm -hmm. kind of saying goodbye and i think we all kind of did it in our own individual ways but to do it together i think was very cathartic and i think also for an audience watching out there (laughs) the world watching um, luke was just such a special person Mm. and uh you really realize that now that he's not Here, Mm. yes, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Well, it seems like this show has also given you like a whole new fan base um, from (laughs) Gen Z. What's the most surprising thing about these fans?
6: It's so cool. Like, you know, you, you can be leaving like a hotel early in the morning and they're like, Blonde soccer kids screaming, oh my God, I can't believe it. Are people on the plane or in the airport? And it's interesting, like, between, you know, Riverdale and then Ambitions. It's such, oh, such a gosh. bad. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was at the airport the other day, and this big, giant guy that looked like a football player, he was like, stay right there. I'm like, okay, don't move going to get my wife i'm like okay he was like we love you you're so messed up but we love it it's like so between like screaming little girls and big screaming men you know yeah it's which nice. character
0: do you find you get recognized more as
6: oh gosh it really just depends yeah it really depends i mean i think probably both but you know on riverdale i i played a mayor, and now i'm like the mayor's wife you know, on Ambitions, his office is much bigger than mine. I'm like, you know, but it's just <laughs> fun. They're so very different. I mean, Riverdale, she's just a mom. She's mm. like a mom. She's a mayor, but really a mom, mm. where I think Stephanie Lancaster is not mm. the best mom in the world, and she, like, gets to have sex on desks and everywhere else, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, she really can't complain about her husband cheating because she I cheats, mean, yeah. but, you know,
0: yeah. you know there, there, she, is. there yeah, she is there she is there she is <laughs> well speaking of gen z you actually have two sons who are I in do. their 20s and I, and I know that you've said before that like with this next generation, like, you feel like we're going to be okay. Yeah,
6: yeah, I really do. I mean, I think, you know, so often you hear about millennials, right? Mm-hmm. You hear millennials complain, complain, you know, millennials. But then, you know, you you really, I think, with younger people, this group, especially my kids, first of all, my kids keep me dressed cool. They, like, <laughs> send me Yeezys in the mail. You know, they keep me like, yeah, you know. Yeah. But also, you just get a, a different perspective, you know. And I think a lot of the things that some of us are suffering from, at, in a certain group they're not suffering from. And they, you know, they feel like renewed and brand new and and hopeful and together and diverse and diversity being different and Mm. applauded. and smart. I just I love it, yeah. Mm.
0: Well, last time you were on this couch, uh-huh. uh, my co-host Zach asked Boy you a little bit about your dating life. Oh, so I gotta Zach! ask you, do we have any updates? Anything
6: oh, you, man, any Zach. you can give us? Zach, I thought you were gonna fix me up. <laughs> Get on I've on been Zach. waiting by the by the phone, Zach, and nobody's called. Um No, I don't know if I have any updates. Okay. I think that's a show in and of itself. Okay, got it. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to
0: go tell Zach that he better get get on it. it. Yeah, Yeah. Get on it, Zach. Yeah. Well, you have been such a delight to talk to. Thank thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Be sure to watch Robin in Ambitions on OWN on Tuesday nights. Up next, Zach chats with Tony Award-winning actor Alan Cumming. Um...
1: Whether you know him as Hamlet, the master of ceremonies, or Mad Genius Vegan Floop, Alan Cumming has become a household name in entertainment. Here with me now to discuss the release of his cabaret show *Legal Immigrant* on Audible is Tony Award-winning actor Alan Cumming. Good morning. Hello. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And the look. Vegan leather, vegan leather. Chicness, Stella McCartney.
8: The girls did not come in- to
1: play. You and Robin came fashion. Oh, back. she was gorgeous. Like, I just saw her, yeah. Amazing. Anyway, so let's talk about your new uh, your new your new Audible program. Uh, legal
8: immigrant, how did you come up with this idea? Um it was really because well I was I was it's 10 years since I became a citizen of mm-hmm. this country. And I obviously in those ten years, especially in the last couple of years, yeah. that the attitudes towards immigration have changed radically. And I, the thing that really prompted me to do it was I, I read in the newspaper that the um, United States Immigration uh, Department had removed the phrase nation of immigrants mm-hmm. from its opening uh, web web page, which I thought was just awful. I thought it was really terrible that we are a nation of immigrants. We've always been a nation of immigrants. I, I guess this administration doesn't want us to continue to be one. Damn. But I just felt it was awful to deny what makes what I believe makes America great. And I think... For me, the idea of being anti-immigration is being anti-American. Because, you know, and that's why I think we're being fed all this stuff, saying it's patriotic to dislike people and to push people away who are different to us. And it's absolutely not patriotic at all. So I wanted to do a show that celebrated immigration. and talk about my you know 10 years of being in this country For or, sure. as, as in this country and how did you begin to approach that through song specifically well there was um there's usually songs I want to sing I, I'm not really a proper singer I just can act songs quite well <laughs> and I so there was I just had a, a bunch of songs I wanted to sing and then I realized that all that most of the songs I was uh, singing were all written or or made famous by you know people who weren't originally from this country. Mm. So I, I talk about the provenance of all the songwriters in in the show as well. And now that was another thing just to show you know how rich our culture is because of Im- immigrants. So mm. but there's a whole range. I'm very eclectic. Like I have like a a Peggy Lee song, a Pink song, a Edith Piaf song, a Adele song, lots of women, lots yeah. of women's songs, and
1: some of these women are all white. And it's—I don't think people think about white people in this immigration conversation. So it's very exciting. No, that's
8: what—that's interesting. I am a—I'm a, a new—I'm been—I became a citizen ten years ago. So I am like one of the people that is being, you know, feeling. Obviously, I'm a white man of privilege. Yeah. But if I was a person of color, a trans person, of color, I would, you know, if I'm feeling it. Even subliminally, as me, imagine what it must be like for these, for Muslim people, you know, who are here uh, legally and are citizens of this country and are being scared in their own homes. I think that's dreadful.
1: Mm, And do you find that, you know, SCOTUS just began hearing the DACA case recently. Yes. uh, It's the Dreamers Act. Do you find that this show is going to be really timely for that? And what do you think people hope to gain from hearing your show and then connecting it to DACA?
8: Well, all I'm, I mean, actually, I talk about DACA in the show, actually. I, I, um... All I want people to do is just re-examine what they're being fed. This idea that immigration, the very notion of immigration is wrong, mm. when actually it's the very uh, linchpin of what made, the, what makes this country amazing and different and, and the, 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 the confluence of all the mm-hmm. ideas and people. And I think it's also, I want to look at the hypocrisy for a president who is the son of an immigrant and, has, and is the husband of several immigrants, actually, the idea that he is being so anti, the whole notion of immigration, it's just absolute racism by another word. Completely. I just want to try and make people stand back and you know, just re-examine what they're being
1: told. For sure. And what you do really well in this show is you also, you bring some hardness, but you bring some fun. Yes. There's a
8: moment with Liza Minnelli where you teach her about Spotify. Yes, yes. <laughs> Tell me about, how did that come out? <laughs> well, I go to visit, I, was, I saw her last week actually. I go to, she lives in LA now and you know, I go over and she, we just lie on our bed and watch TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one time I had my phone out and I, was, I, I said, oh, you know, I saw this song of yours I'd never heard before on Spotify. She goes, what's that? So I showed her what Spotify was. And of course, there's all loads of her albums yeah. there. And she was like, oh, look at that. And uh, she said to me, like, so you, she said, I know, we'll play a game. You, um, you tell me the title of a song and I'll hum it or I'll sing it. <laughs> you really? we were there for hours because there's thousands of songs. So yeah, it was really fun. And one song, the song that I sing of hers on the show, uh, is called uh, The Singer. Mm-hmm. I opened the show with it actually. And we, she got, I, 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 The Singer, and she went, and I you have to sing that song, Alan. <laughs> so I just, you know, you do what Liza tells I you. I had no idea that you and Liza were such good girlfriends. And this I is going to like me have so much joy for a long, long time. Last, I was just telling Michael, my, my makeup man, and that uh, uh, last week I was in LA and I went to see her and, and uh-huh. he, she hadn't watched The Crown. So I went, we went back to, uh, yeah, I was laying on her bed, she put Netflix on me, watched the first episode of The Crown and she was coughing, she had a bad cough. And you know, in The Crown, the, the king just coughs entirely yeah. at the first episode and she said at one point, she went, this show, it's like this room. <laughs> oh, my
1: God. <laughs> that is incredible. And I feel like you constantly have these incredible moments with some of the most famous people in the world. And your bar, uh, Bar Cummings, which I go Club to. Cumming. Club Cummings. Club Cummings, sorry. Bar, Club only Cummings. only one of them. There's only one. That's right. Oh no I God, only one. Well, you know, I have been there, and I've been yeah. drunk there, yes, a few okay. times. And there's this great story. I want to get everyone's names right, but, you know, there's a little star named Emma Stone, Paul mm.
8: McCartney, and Billy Jean King came in one night. Yes. How did that happen? Well, <laughs> well so... Emma, uh, well, you know, I was friends with her phone when she did cabaret with me on Broadway a few mm-hmm. years ago, and then Billie Jean, I knew. But that, we were all—you uh, know—Emma played Billie Jean in that movie. Um, that movie I was in, it was great. What was it called? <laughs> Battle of the Sexes. <laughs> of the Sexes. <laughs> I think you're messing with me. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm We've well, been in a lot that. of things, so it's hard I, also to- yes, I'm very old, and also you know, also I, the reason I have a website mm-hmm. is just so I can remember what I've done. Yeah, it's It's really true. um, I I swore blind recently that I'd never worked with Willem Dafoe to someone. I said, I love him. I've seen him at parties. I think he's great. I'd love to work with him. They're like, You have worked with him? I said, I haven't. I would know. And I went home and I had done a film with him. And it's in your (laughs) And I had scenes with him. Anyway, um, so so Emma played, we were in that film, Battle Mm -hmm. of the Sexes. So they were promoting it one day. And I was uh, going over to have a nightcap at Club Coming because I had a late start on my thing I was shooting. And they went. They were going to see, Emma and Billie Jean were going to see Paul McCartney at the Berkeley Centre. Mm-hmm. So Emma said, are you going to Club Coming? And I was like, yes, I'm on my way there. She goes, oh, I'm bringing Billie Jean over. She wants to come. I said, oh, great, see you there. And then about 20 minutes later, she went, holy, f- Ooh, holy. You can say us. Can you? Yeah, for sure. Holy fucking shit. Paul <laughs> McCartney's coming too. So they went backstage to see him. And he said, well, I heard of Club Coming. I'd love to go and see it. So they, it was, I said it's like a joke. These big black uh, SUVs drop and like Paul McCartney, Billie hey, Jean King it. and Emma Stone <laughs> walk into a bar. And uh, we had drinks and I a chat. And, like, my husband, Grant, did the murals on, 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 in the bar. And yep. there's all these, it's a thing called find the picker. There's all these penises in uh-huh. the murals. And, and, like, he was standing with Paul McCartney and, he said, and Paul's going, like, is that a penis? And, and Grant's going, yes, yes, <laughs> Paul, that's a penis. <laughs> and then, um, uh, so then at one point, it was so, people were singing and getting up and singing songs. Uh-huh. And I said, do you want to sing a song, Paul? And he, and he went, no, I've just spent Three hours singing at the Barclay Centre. I was like, all right. They're like, okay, and girl. And he went, um, he said, but I'll accompany you if you like. And so Emma and I got up on stage and sang um, Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid. Oh and Paul my McCartney God. accompanied us on the harmonica. That is amazing. Y'all have to record that. <laughs> be number
1: right. one, yes, yeah, I number one, immediately, immediately. Well, Alan, thank you so much for being here today. This I has pleasure. been so lovely hearing all the fantastic stories you have, and I, like, want to take you out to drinks at your bar to hear Oh, more. I know. First next time you should
8: tell me, I'll, 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 do, I'll serve you. Oh, I, okay. love, I love being
1: a barman. Oh, my God. Good, and I love a martini. So I'll you do I uh, do that one. Great. I'll be there. Well, Legal Immigrant will be available on Audible starting tomorrow. More aim dms up next. This week, Real Housewives star, uh, of Atlanta star Cynthia Bailey was here to spill all the tea and we didn't let her leave before playing a fun little game. Take a look.
7: Hi, you guys. It's your girl, Cynthia Bailey, and this is Housewives Superlatives on AM to DM. Most fashionable. I'm going to have to give this one to Marlo Hampton. She works really hard on her fashions and she just is obsessed with fashion. You're the most fashionable, Marlo. Best hair, okay, best real hair is Kenya Moore. <laughs> I would like to think that I have the best wigs though. Most supportive, uh, can I say me? <laughs> most fun to go out with, that's gonna be two people for me. Nini when she doesn't wanna kill me and we're getting along, and Portia. First to fall asleep at the party, that would probably be Candy. HBIC, ooh, well, That's actually been a topic of conversation for Atlanta. NeNe Leakes is the self-proclaimed HBIC, and I think Kenya Moore is definitely trying to give her a run for her money. However, the real HBIC actually might be Candy. Realest friend, the one that keeps it 100. I think I'm a real friend. I know people think I go back and forth, but that's just because I try to be friends with everyone. And I'm always in a friendship triangle because everyone loves me and they're always fighting over me. Realest friend is going to go to Cynthia Bailey, Future Hill. Most likely to experience a nip slip, Uh, well, I'm gonna have to vote for myself again. They don't call me titty scent for nothing. I think my first nip slip was at the reunion one, Kenya and Portia got into it and Portia used my dress to get up to uh, get to Kenya. And I've been nip slipping ever since. Biggest shade queen. Oh, the shade assassin herself, Kenya Moore. Worst storylines. Ooh, that's a shady one. Can I plead the fifth? Worst temper. Candy's not a good one to piss off. Neither is Nini. As a matter of fact, you actually don't need to piss me off either. We all can get pretty turned up. Yeah, you don't really wanna piss any of us off.
1: Welcome back to At Us. And I have to just acknowledge the fact that I have failed Robin Givens and my phone is blowing up with people talking about it. And I am sorry, but my only thing, and that's why I told her as she walked off and we hugged again because we're best girlfriends, is that I'm also still single. So it's fine. That does help a little <laughs> it bit. It helps me. I, I have like failed the stuff. icon Robin Givens. Alex, do you know what this means? Then Alan coming was like, oh, really? Wow. So like, it's mean, really... Don't not, make promises. Not my day.
0: Don't make promises you can't keep. So, <sighs> I could. We all I learn, mean, we grow,
1: and... I'm, and I'm growing, I'm growing. Well, speaking of growth, we have Grammy nominations were announced this morning. And the New York Times tweeted: Lizzo has been nominated for eight Grammys. That's every major award, including Album of the Year. She leads a slate of young and diverse nominees, including Billie Eilish and Little Nas X. These people.
0: I know, okay, but I, I do want to say that, okay, Good as Hell came out two years ago. I saw her perform in Philly. Two summers ago mm-hmm. in a small venue, and like, love to see such a glow
1: up such, from that. And like, hanging in there, and you know. It's amazing. I was talking I to me. some friends in Chicago, and she headlined, even headlined, she was like the side, side stage of a Pride Fest two or three years ago, and no one showed up to it. Like, I think it was like a handful of people, barely anyone now. <laughs>
0: Jokes on those people. You who girls didn't show wish up you could see her on a Pride I know, <laughs> seriously. Well, during our conversation with Erica Russell, a fan tweeted this about BTS receiving no Grammy nominations. Yes, we're sad, but at the same time, just like she said, it doesn't really matter. I like, mean, it's like when you're that famous and beloved. What's, like, a, gr- what's a Grammy? Awards? What's a Grammy when you have uh, the BTS Army? They're you like, know?
1: I'm so famous, I don't need your little awards. That's for the pedestrians.
0: There you go. Well, thank you to our guests, Miriam Elder, Raquel Willis, Erica Russell, Maz Rani, Robin Givens, Alan Cumming,
1: and Cynthia Bailey. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Have a great rest of your day, Twitter.